Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Takan, and I will be your conference operator today. I would like to welcome everyone to the Kirkland Lake Gold conference call and webcast to discuss the company's first quarter 2020 financial and operating results. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, you may press the pound key. With that, I would now like to turn the call over to Vice President of Investor Relations, Mark Oting. Thanks very much, Operator, and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our first quarter 2020 conference call and webcast. On today's call, we will review the quarter and also discuss some of our projects as well as recent expiration results. We'll also provide uh, some update information on the COVID-19 response by the company. With me today are many members of the Kirkland Lake Gold Senior Management Team. Speaking today will be Tony McCooch, our President and CEO, David Sorez, our our Chief Financial Officer, Duncan King, our Vice President of Australian Operations, Evan Pelche, our General Manager of Kirkland Lake Operations, Dave Landano, our uh, Detour Mine General Manager, and Eric Calio, our Senior Vice President of Exploration. As mentioned, there are other members in the room as well, uh, the management team in the room as well. Um, as I'm sure many of you are, we're uh, doing our call remotely today consistent with our COVID-19 health and safety protocols. After we go through the presentation, we'll then open the call to questions. We ask that each person limit themselves to, uh, to two questions. The slide deck that we'll be referring to is available on our website, both on the homepage and the events section. Before we get started, I would like to draw your attention to slide two uh, for our forward-looking statement disclosure. Our remarks and answers to questions today may contain and likely will contain forward-looking information about future events affecting the company. Please refer to slide two as well as the forward-looking information section of our most recent management discussion and analysis dated May 5th, 2020 for more information. Also, during today's call, we'll be making reference to non-IFRS performance measures. A reconciliation of these measures is available in, in our most recent MDNA. Finally, I'll point out that all figures today are in US dollars unless otherwise stated. With that, I'll call on Tony McCooch, President and CEO of Kirkland Lake Gold. Okay, thanks, Mark, and thanks everybody for being on the call. I know, uh, you know, we're we're not as uh, as organized or as maybe as sexy as sometimes you see some of these uh, conference calls and video calls that's going on 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 TV. Uh, lots of things, but we know the, the speakers here again. We're all on uh, everybody working from their home office, as I'm sure a lot of the. Uh, Everybody attending this call is uh, is from their home office, so thank you for calling in. Um, you know, I don't know how comfortable you get in your home office. Maybe you've gotten comfortable and more organized over time. And I know I have, but I, at the same time, I think I'm getting tired of having to come to my home office. It'd be nice to get out and about and see people. So anyway, thanks for being on the call. And, that, you know, the the other part is, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, acknowledge the people of Kirkland Lake Gold. We had a, definitely a, a, a pretty solid quarter in, in, in Q1 2020. And a lot of adversity, but you can see where quality people rise to the occasion, and that's what we saw, and that's what we see in Kirkland Lake Gold and, and the company and, and the communities around us, and a lot of our suppliers and, and, and third-party contractors as well. You we see there's a lot of quality people in this industry. The, uh, you know, the, the other thing that really happened in, is that our people did an excellent job protecting themselves and each other and also turned in a very solid quarter of performance in the quarter. So anyway, th- thanks for th- thanks for the efforts and thanks for the attention to detail. Getting into some of the uh, operating results for the quarter, production was 330,000 ounces. Cash costs were 440 an ounce and all in sustaining costs averaged 770 an ounce. 
excluding liter, these numbers average $319 and $619 an ounce, respectively. These are very strong unit cost numbers given the high unusual circumstances in Q1. Turning uh, to earnings, we reported net earnings of $0.79 cents per share and $0.70 cents per share on an, on an adjusted basis. That was a 30% increase from Q1 2019. It is cash flow where our business really showed its strength in Q1 2020. Excluding non-recurring transaction and restructuring costs, we generated free cash flow of over $190 million, which is a quarterly record. Dieter Lake made a significant contribution to free cash flow during the quarter, adding $78 million, and that's in only two months of, uh, of operations with Kirkland Lake. Overall, the quarter, the quarter highlighted our ability to generate significant cash flow. Looking at our cash position, as shown in slide four, we ended the quarter at $530 million and no debt. And you know, I think uh, as a company, we're probably the only gold company with, with no debt on the balance sheet at all. Maintaining an, and, and this you know, demonstrates our industry leading strength in terms of uh, financial performance and financial capabilities. We, turn, we returned capital to shareholders. We used $330 million in the quarter to buy back almost 10 million shares and doubled our dividend. We gained about $180 million of cash from Detour. But I want to emphasize that we used much more than that by paying back Detour's debt, closing out its headbook, making change of control and other payments, and incurring transaction fees related to the deal. We had total capital expenditures of about $110 million. A lot of that was sustaining capital. In terms of growth capital, we continue to invest in our projects, specifically the number four shaft project at Macasa. We did suspend sinking of the shaft at the end of March due to the COVID-19 uh, issue. The suspension lasted about a month with shaft sinking resuming near the end of April. The sh uh, excuse me, the shaft project is going very well, very well. And in fact, actually we've now changed the scope of the schedule for the, for the shaft a bit. Evan Telche will get onto the details a little bit more later in the presentation but we now expect to complete the shaft in one phase by late 2022. That is over a year earlier than initially planned and at a lower cost. Turning to slide five, clearly COVID-19 was a key development impacting our business in Q1 2020. We had a call in early April to discuss the details of our COVID-19 response, including our extensive health and safety protocols. I won't go through them again. I will provide you with an update. Part of our COVID-19 response included going to reduce operations at Detour Lake and Macassa and temporary suspending operations at the whole complex. We also suspended all non-essential activities across the company, which, you know, basically any capital project and or any, any expiration project that was not critical to the production in the, in the current year. <clears throat> the reduced operations impacted our production and costs in Q1 and we'll do so again in the second quarter. And we don't know what's gonna happen in third, fourth quarter, depending on, on how this progresses. It also lead, led to the suspension of key projects, as, as I mentioned earlier, such as the shaft, the surface ramp at Macassa, and the ventilation project at Fosterville. We also stopped most exploration work not required for this year's production. We have now returned, resumed work on these projects as well as others, and we'll, 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 we'll be ramping up uh, in phases, we've started to recall workers at Detroit Lake and Macassa, and we expect it to be a slow, slow process that may extend over the year. Turning to slide six, the measures we have taken obviously have an impact on our results. April, tw uh, April 1st, 2020, we withdrew our company guidance for 2020. We will issue guidance for the year as we make progress towards moving Detour Lake and Macassa towards more predictable levels of, of production. These mines clearly will not produce what was in the original guidance. We will continue to assess how quickly they can ramp up, but which will determine the guidance we eventually provide. And you got to understand it also impacts both capital costs, operating costs, and expiration costs that was in our original guidance. We have also withdrawn our three-year production guidance while we assess the long-term impact of COVID-19 pandemic on our business and as we work to incorporate Detroit Lake into our long-term business plan. When we discuss COVID-19, we don't talk about returning to normal because we are not sure what normal will be in the future. There are a lot of moving parts. There is, a, there is no question that there will be some impact on how our business is done. This is a key reason why we have suspended our three-year guidance. The world is going to be a different place because of COVID-19, particularly if there are additional waves of virus that occur. We are not going to take some 
we're going to take some time to consider what work is likely to, going to look like in the future, what impact we'll have on our operations, but our priority is, is, is to, to look after our people and the communities and, and, and the sustainability of our business and be beyond this period of time in this pandemic. Slide, slide seven looks at another key, uh, very important development for Kirkland Lake Gold during Q1 2020, the acquisition of Beecher Lake Gold. We have talked about the deal at length, and so I won't get into the terms and rationale behind the transaction. We see a lot of upside at Detroit Lake and plan to invest aggressively to achieve it. We actually have, I'm, I'm not disappointed at all in terms of what we, what, what, we, what we see as the potential here and the quality of the people that are at Detour and, 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 and the ability for us to move this project forward to a, to a whole new level. I will highlight a few things about the quarter. Given that we owned Detour Lake for two months and it was on reduced operations for part of that time, you know, you, you get a sense it had very, very good operating performance, producing 92,000 ounces in two months, ending March 31st. Cash costs of 696, and, and all sustaining costs of 1108 per ounce were in line with expected levels for the quarter for the or for the period. During the quarter, we saw the tremendous leverage Detroit Lake has on the, the gold price. I already mentioned the 78 million dollars of free cash flow it generated in two months, and that was about 40% of our total free cash flow for the quarter, excluding non-recurring items for the company. The last key development I'll mention for the quarter involves the non-core assets. I am on slide eight. On February 20th, we designated our whole complex and assets in the Northern Territory, Northern Territory, sorry, as non-core. The whole complex includes our Taylor Holt and Holloway mine and the Holt Mill in, in, in North of Kirkland Lake. In March, we placed the Holloway mine in care and maintenance. We also suspended all test mining and processing at the Cosmo mine and Union Reefs Mill in the Northern Territory of Australia and also sees all expiration drilling here. <clears throat> the, the results we were getting from both Holloway Mine and, and the NT did not justify continuing on with our operating activities, particularly when you consider the potential we have at our three cornerstone assets, Macasa, Detroit Lake, and Fosterville. At the beginning of May, we transitioned the remainder of the whole complex to temporary care and maintenance. The move was done as part of our COVID-19 protocols and also reflected the fact that we we're in the midst of a strategic review of the operations. We decided that while we performed that review, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, pandemic, sorry, it makes sense to continue to suspend the operations here. We originally indicated that the temporary suspension would last until April 30th. That has now been extended and we have not determined a timeline for our resumptions of operation at this time. Excuse me, turning to slide nine, I mentioned the, the tremendous growth and exploration potential of our three cornerstone assets. We plan to invest aggressively to realize all the upside we see. Even with COVID-19, we had expiration expenditures of 36 million in Q1 2020. We did largely suspend drilling late in the quarter, but are starting to redeploy drills now. We have already announced some encouraging drill results, identifying a new large corridor of high-grade mineralization at Macasa along the main breaks at that depth. Eric Cali will tell you more about these expiration results shortly. But, and, 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 and when you go through the expiration uh, the part of this presentation, and if we, you know, give you a sense, I mean, expiration is, is one of the most exciting parts of this company, not just at McCass, but also at, at Fosterville, a lot at Fosterville, and, and, and as, as Eric will show you over time, a lot at Detour Lake. Anyway, right now I'd like to call on David Soros, our CFO, to review our Q1 2020 financial results in more detail. Thank you, Tony, and good afternoon, everyone. I'll be starting on uh, slide 10. As Tony mentioned, we had strong earnings in Q1 2020. Net earnings totaled 202.9 million or 79 cents a share. Adjusted net earnings were 179.2 million or 70 cents per share. The difference between adjusted net earnings and net earnings related mainly to a $52.5 million after tax of foreign exchange gains due to the strengthening of the US dollar in the quarter. This impact was partially offset by the exclusion from adjusted net earnings of 24.9 million after tax uh, related to transaction uh, costs uh, related to the Detour Gold acquisition. In terms of key drivers of adjusted net earnings, it largely came down to strong revenue growth driven by both higher sales volumes and increased gold prices in the quarter. The change in earnings per share from both Q1 2019 and last quarter, uh, Q4 of, 
or sorry, Q1 of 2020, was impacted by higher average shares outstanding in Q1 2020. They totaled 257.4 million this quarter versus about 210 million in both prior periods. The increase related to the 77 million shares we issued for the detour transaction on January 31st, partially offset by the 9.7 million shares we repurchased in Q1. Slide 11 looks at our revenue in more detail. Revenue in Q1 2020 totaled 554.7 million, 82% higher than Q1 2019, and a 35% increase from the previous quarter. On a year-over-year basis, both higher gold sales and an increase in gold price contributed to the strong revenue growth. Gold sales increased 48% to 344,000 ounces and had a $146 million favorable impact on, on revenue. The average gold price increased to $1,586 per ounce from $1,307 per ounce a year earlier. The increase in price increased revenue by $96 million in the quarter. Quarter over quarter, gold sales were 24% higher, which increased revenue by $98 million. The Q1 2020 gold price compared to $1,481 per ounce in Q4 2019. The increase in price had a 36 $36 million favorable impact on revenue this quarter. Detour Lake had a significant impact on revenue in Q1 2020, contributing $179.4 million of the $554.7 million of total revenue. Gold sales at Detour Lake were just over 110,000 ounces. Excluding Detour Lake, revenue totaled $375.3 million compared to $304.9 million uh, a year earlier and $412.4 million in Q4 2019. You may recall that in Q4, we had record sales driven by Fosterville, which had a grade of almost 50 grams per ton for the quarter. Looking ahead at EBITDA, as shown in slide 12, Q1 2020 EBITDA was a record 391.5 million, a 94% increase from 201.6 million in Q1 2019, and 37% higher than 285.6 million in the previous quarter. The increase from both prior periods was driven by net earnings growth, as well as the impact of higher depletion and depreciation costs and current income tax expense. Turning to slide 13, it looks at our cash and cash flows. On the slide, you will see that we have adjusted opening cash flow to net out 60.5 million of non-recurring items. These are mainly related to the Detour Gold acquisition and include transaction fees, change of control payments, and other termination-related costs, and some restructuring expenses. We also have about $3 million of restructuring costs at the KL level and incurred some severance expense at our non-core assets, mainly in the Northern Territory. Excluding the non-recurring costs, our cash from operations totaled $302 million. Looking at investing activities, we had a source of cash of 60.7 million, which mainly reflected cash received from Detour Gold offset by capital expenditures. As Tony indicated earlier, the cash we received from Detour was more than offset by uses of cash relating to the transaction or the acquired company. Turning to finance activities, the large use of cash related to a few things, the largest being the share repurchases in the quarter. Moving on to slide 14, where we look at the change in cash in a, in a slightly different way. You can see that the largest contributor to growth in cash was from our operations, which generated about 282 million. This is before interest, income tax paid, and impact of changes in working capital. The other large source of cash was 173.9 million of cash obtained from Detour Gold. We have already discussed it in, in, in this slide, and this slide gives the details around the offsetting uses of cash relating to Detour. We used 98 million to repay Detour's debt, 30 million to close out its hedge positions, and also had 54 million of transaction and restructuring related costs paid in cash in the quarter. Uh, 
The chart on slide 14 also highlights the significance of the 330 million used for share repurchases during the quarter on our cash balance. Other significant uses of cash in the quarter included about 110 million of capital expenditures, about 90 million of which was sustaining. We also had higher cash income tax payments and we paid 12.5 million in dividend payments based on a Q4 2019 dividend of six cents per share. As you've heard, we've doubled our dividend in Q1 to 12.5 cents per share. So going forward, that cash commitment for dividends will be higher. With that, I'll turn the call over to Duncan King, Vice President of Australian Operations. Uh, turning to slide 15, good afternoon. <clears throat> As Tony mentioned earlier, Fosterville had a strong quarter in Q1 2020. We produced 160,000 ounces. Production increased 24% from Q1 2019, with the increase resulting from a 46% improvement at the average grade in the average grade to 42.4 grams to the ton. The higher average grade resulted from increased mining in the Swan Zone compared to the prior year. Production in Q1 compared to record production in Q4 2019 of 192,000 ounces, when the mine achieved a record grade of 49.3 grams to the ton. The grade in Q4 reflected sequencing in the Swan Zone, as well as some grade outperformance during the quarter. Cash costs in Q1 2020 were $126 per ounce, 13% better than $144 per ounce in Q1 2019. Q1 cash costs compared to a record $106 per ounce in Q4 2019, again, largely re reflecting the average grade in the previous quarter. All in sustaining costs averaged $313 an ounce in Q1 2020 versus $315 in Q1 2019 and $258 the previous quarter. It is worth noting that a new royalty introduced by the Victorian government, effective January 1st, 2020, accounted for $7.2 million, or $47 an ounce of all-in sustaining cost in Q1 2020. Excluding the new royalty, these costs were largely unchanged quarter over quarter. Looking at our projects, while Fosterville has continued to operate through the COVID-19 crisis, we did have some projects impacted when we suspended all non-essential work. Work on our new ventilation system was interrupted, as were a number of surface infrastructure projects. We continued to target commissioning of the new ventilation system beginning in the second quarter, and our project work is starting to come back online. I'll now turn the call over to Evan Pelche, General Manager, Kirkland Lake Operations. Thanks, Duncan. I'm starting on slide 16. McCasa had a solid quarter in Q1 2020. We produced 51,000 ounces, which compared to record quarterly production of 73,000 in Q1 2019 and 56,000 ounces in the previous quarter. The quarter over quarter change largely related to lower tonnages, which was due in large part of disruptions caused by COVID-19. Operating cash costs average 536 per ounce in Q1 2020 versus 332 in Q1 2019 and 471 per ounce in the previous quarter. The increase from both prior periods largely reflected lower sales volumes as well as higher levels in operating development and other mining costs in Q1 2020. All in sustaining costs per ounce averaged 850 versus 602 in Q1 2019 and 721 in the previous quarter. The year over year change was mainly due to lower sale volumes. <clears throat> the change from Q4 2019 was due to lower sale volumes as well as higher operating costs and increased sustaining capital expenditure. Sustaining capital of 15.1 million was higher than 10.8 million in Q4 2019, which was the lowest quarterly total we had last year. It was largely timing related in terms of schedule and capital development and equipment procurement. Before I get to foreshaft, I'll first address our plans around COVID-19. We are resuming work on key projects and starting to ramp up production. We resumed shaft sinking at the end of April and have also commenced work on a new surface ramp. Increasing productive activities will be a gradual process. We're maintaining all of our key health and safety protocols, including limited people, on-site and social distancing. This will continue to impact our operations for some time. 
Turning to slide 17, we have made a great deal of progress at the four shaft project and now have made changes to the project scope and schedule. First, during Q1, we sank the shaft to 760 feet to the 1,960 level at quarter end. And this is fully equipped with steel and concrete. We also excavated and equipped the 1540 level station. At the end of March, we stopped sinking as part of COVID-19 protocol to suspend non-essential work. That lasted about a month and we started sinking again in late April. Based on the progress we have achieved, we have made changes to the scope and schedule of the shaft project. We are now planning to complete the shaft in one phase to a total depth of 6,400 feet with target completion for late 2022. The changes to the shaft scope benefit in a number of ways. This allows us to increase skipping capacity sooner, improves ventilation and working conditions, de-risk the mine and advances the timing for future exploration development of the shaft and support to future drilling. By reducing the development period by over a year, we'll be able to use the shaft sooner and have created a potential for a cost savings in the capital budget. At this time, however, our budget remains at $321 million. I'll now turn the call over to David Landano, General Manager of Detour Lake. Uh, thank you, Evan. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I will be talking to slide 18. Detour Lake produced 91,000 ounces from January 31st till the end of the first quarter. We processed 3.7 million tons at an average of 0.84 grams per ton. The average grade was down from the previous quarter, mainly due to processing higher volumes of stockpile material, which is typically lower grade than mine production or direct feed. Operating cash costs averaged 696 per ounce in Q1 2020, while all-in sustaining costs averaged 1108 per ounce. Sustaining capital totaled $48.2 million. As we have mentioned previously, all of the tour lakes capital is reported in sustaining, so our ASIC cost is of eleven oh eight is really all in sustaining costs, all in costs. In our conference call in April, I spoke at length about the health and safety protocols we put in place in response to COVID-19. Today, I'll provide an update. We have commenced ramping up our mining production, starting with drill and blast, and then moving on to load and haul and direct mining feed to the crusher. For this ramp up, we are requiring masks on all buses coming from and to Cochrane performing temperature checks prior to employees leaving Cochrane by bus and on others arriving by truck to the gatehouse. Temperature checks are also being performed at camp before starting shifts. Four body heat cameras were recently purchased and installed in strategic locations at the Cochrane bus, bus terminal, both camps and at the gatehouse. So body temperature is, net, is now checked every time a worker passes through these locations. If someone is not feeling well or shows any of the COVID-19 symptoms, they're assessed by a, the medic and then sent off-site for precautionary measures. We're continuing also with physical distancing at camp. On the buses, we doubled the number of buses in, in light vehicles, meeting rooms, and at the dining rooms. We also have removed some chairs uh, to keep social distance in the mess, and we have blocked some of the areas. We put some signage, etc. With that, I'll turn the call over to Eric Callio, Senior Vice President of Exploration. Thanks, David, and good, good afternoon, everyone. I'll be starting with slide 19, which is a plan from the Macasa Mine, which was the main focus for Q1 exploration and where we recently announced more exciting news from drilling. As indicated on the plan, drilling was focused in the east part of the mine and on testing the SMC, but also included new work on the main break. For the SMC, we had 18 new holes and continued to obtain very positive results with a number of new high-grade intercepts and another 75 meters of strike length added to the structure. With this now, we bring the total length of the structure of the SMC to over two kilometers and still open for more expansion. And then in terms of the main break, we had one more new hole and 15 others that were not previously reported that we now interpret as part of a new high-grade corridor. As indicated in the release, the corridor extends between our new number four shaft and Kirkland Minerals and currently measures 700 meters long by 300 meters high. Of importance for future development, the corridor is also located very close to a new drift planned on 57 level. And in terms of the new hole, it intersects the east part of the corridor, 300 meters below the deepest level at Kirkland Minerals and 50 meters east of the closest previous hole in this area, 
It also has one of the highest grades to date from this zone and little to no drilling to the east. So again, open for expansion. Turning now to slide 20, we can see a cross-section through the east part of the area drilled and further illustrating the new results. As indicated, the SMC is located on the left-hand side and just below the drill platform on 5300 and has a number of good holes to both confirm and extend the zone. And the main break is on the right-hand side and hosts a continuous string of values extending downward from the historic workings at Kirkland Minerals. Additional to this, the section also provides another view of the new high-grade intercept in hole number 4052, which is located near the 6800 level or 300 meters below the deepest level at Kirkland Minerals. And now turning on to slide 21, we see here a long section for the main break and the high-grade corridor, which as indicated contains a number of very good intercepts altogether, and all of them located between the new number four shaft and Kirkland Minerals. Although the number of holes drilled is still quite low at this point, we are very encouraged by the overall continuity and number of high grades that we see in this area to date. We're also very encouraged by the fact our new high grade intercept is at the east limit of the drilling with little to no testing beyond this. And from what we know, the structure in this area is still likely open for testing all the way to Lakeshore Mine, which is at least another kilometer to the east. So considering all the above, I think it's fair to say we continue to feel strongly about the potential of the mine and looking forward to, to doing more exploration here very soon. And with that, I'll now pass the call back to Tony. Okay, thanks, Eric. Uh, pretty exciting in terms of uh, some of the developments there at Macassa. Anyway, maybe on uh, just a final slide 22, uh, just give you you know some highlights here or some summary highlights. And I, I guess you can set, get a sense for, uh, you know, despite a challenging environment in, in, in Q1 2020, Kirk and Mike continued to turn in a strong quarter. We had solid earnings, generated substantial free cash flow in a quarter. We maintained our industry leading financial strength. We also returned the capital to shareholders, probably the highest level of capital return to shareholders in a quarter at anyone in our industry. And through and we did this through extensive share buybacks and by doubling our quarterly dividend. <clears throat> Excuse me, we had a very strong first two months from Dieter Lake, and we we're very pleased with the progress we see in terms of improved productivity and really in terms of the upside of this operation. We also took steps during the quarter to streamline our portfolio to focus more fully on our three cornerstone assets. And that's by turning, you know, making uh, the, the, both the, uh, the Northern Territory in Australia and our KL North uh, assets at, at, as non-core at this point in time. We continue to invest aggressively in exploration and believe with that, that with Macassa, Detroit Lake, and Fosterville, we have three of the most exciting exploration projects in the industry. And, you know, so I had somebody at one time talking to and say, we, you know, really in 30, Kirk and Mike Gold is an exploration company that just happens to, to mine, mine and, 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 and generate free cash flow. Finally, you know, I say we are cautiously optimistic that conditions are improving in terms of COVID-19 and are starting to work, resume work in key areas. This will be a gra gradual process, excuse me, extending throughout the year. We also recognize that some changes may become a new normal and everything we do, the health and well-being of our workers, their families, and our communities will remain our top priority. Thanks everyone for listening on this call. Thank you for you know staying home, staying safe, uh, looking after your families, and 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 fundamentally, if we all look after our, ourselves and our families, we're all looking after each other too. So thank you for what you've done. Anyway, we'll be happy to take your questions at, at this time. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Fahad Tariq of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, on the three-year production guidance that was withdrawn, can you give some more color on the long-term impact that you're seeing from COVID-19? Is it, is it on productivity, supply chain? Uh, just trying to get a sense of what, what, what is causing you to, uh, I guess, uh, revisit the longer-term guidance as a result of COVID. Well, I think, you know, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. We don't know 
where things are going to happen. We don't know what the, you know, as government's going to lift uh, restrictions. We, we don't, we don't know what's coming on. And we decided prudent to sit there and say, you know what, uh, you know, we, 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 you know, there's no use uh, trying to commit to things in, in, in year in 2021 and 2022. We still don't know where, where, where this is and where, where it's going on. We definitely see that there will be differences in, 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 how, in our operating practices, in use of PPE and, and work schedules, et cetera. Uh, some of it is, uh, you know, we see as being maybe becoming some of the new norm in terms of how people will work. So, so we, we got to consider that. And, and really get an understanding of of, of where where things are going to go over the next few next few years. So that's that's all. It's just give yourself some time to, to to really understand and and reposition the operations. You know, we've also as as uh, Evan mentioned with the number number four shaft. I mean, it also gives you time. You know, we re, re, re looked at things we're doing and we say, you know, like for an example with number four shaft, where instead of saying it's going to be done at the end of 2023, you can do it in 2022. We've had some time to rethink things, so gives us some time to rethink all, all of our business model, et cetera, and incorporate uh, what's going on with Detour, what we really want to do with KL North at this point in time. So that's 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 what we, we, we decided to do, as opposed to, you know, coming up with a variety of changes over the next uh, three months or six months that we didn't quite, we, we might not be able to predict. Okay, and just as a follow-up on the Macassa shaft four, now that the depth has been revised, um, what does that mean? I know you can't, you probably can't give specifics, but what does that mean just in terms of the production relative to what it was and previously expected to be? Like, how, how does that change in the depth or the scope of work impact production and the fact that it's coming back a year? It doesn't necessarily. Well, it I mean it doesn't necessarily. Uh, change much in, on the, on on the production. It has a, it brings a little bit more production into t- potentially 2022 than, than than we had in our plan. I think it really uh, it it does it does help us in terms of focusing on 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 costs and and, and productivity improvements and and operational improvements and work conditions that previously maybe not be there. So, you know, at this point in time, we're not necessarily saying it's it's going to help us and uh, we're going to increase production because of it. But we, we see it as definitely it's going to de-risk production. It's going to de-risk the operation. It's going to provide a, a better, uh, safer workplace quicker. And, you know, we're going to do it at less at less capital cost. So we're not really ready to indicate what it is. But there will definitely be no cost overrun on, on that chat. Is that a good, good answer to your Thank question? You. And that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Cosmos Chu of CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Uh, thanks, Tony and team, for the conference call here. Um, you know, it's great to see that uh, you've talked about, you know, ramping up at Macasa and Detour uh, starting in early May. Uh, if I remember back in the April during the conference call, um, you know, you had talked about uh, Detour. The ramp up could take a month or a month and a half. I think David mentioned that. And Evan had mentioned that uh, Macasa could be three to four weeks. Um, but uh, in today's conversation, it seems like it could take longer. You know, uh, Tony, in your opening remarks, you talked about could be, you know, a year. Um, has that changed or or could you help me sort of reconcile? Excuse me. No, I don't. I, 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 nothing has really changed. I guess we're just trying to, you know, the, the only thing that's changed from, a, from, say, a month ago versus now is, you know, the when, when you're reading about about uh, what's happening and getting a sense on, on where where government lifting is going, as well as well as understanding, uh, you know, the practices and how how they're being adopted in the workplace and what what might be the new norm, we're starting to be realistic and saying, hey, you know what, some of this stuff may at times take take a little bit longer and or have a have a longer term impact, you know. Um, you know, I would sit there and say, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that I'm going to be going to uh, to to a to a hockey game and and sit in a crowd of twenty thousand people at at the at, at Scotiabank Center and and to see Toronto play no you know no offense but you know am I going am I going to do that in September and so there's a lot of things that are starting to happen and we're just trying to gauge that we don't it's just us uh, taking a, a little longer longer term view and looking at risks mm-hmm. etc and what potentially might happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you know again as a follow up on the last conference call. Yeah, you know, I mentioned Detour was running at about 75 or 35% of, you know, your normal sort of um, workforce. Um, Macasa was running about 65% uh, 
Um, where are you at right now? And, and, you know, and I guess where are you at right now? Uh, I'll, I'll let uh, David Landato, uh, he can speak for Detour, and I'll let uh, Evan Pelshe speak for McCaffrey. How's that go? David, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah I'm going to go first. So, Detour at the mine, at this moment, with about 50% of the mine and 75% of the mill, uh, by the, the 18th of May, more or less, we're going to be 85% of the mine, and then we're going to be full production of the mill. Uh, and again, as Tony mentioned, uh, the plan is to maintain social distance about uh, uh, mess holes, and uh, so going to 100% is going to be more difficult at this time. So uh, we'll see how this thing progresses, but the idea is to at least go 85% of the mine. Mm-hmm. Your next question. For uh, Mikasa Cosmo, we're basically yeah. sitting at about 80, 85% now. So we're up from 65%, but we're still seeing some uh, some some absenteeism due to COVID. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, that, and part of it, uh, well, Cosmo, is people's willingness yeah. to come back to work, right? So. For sure. And then just a quick follow-up, if I may. You know, the um, again on the three-year guidance. To be honest, I was a bit surprised that um, it was you know withdrawn, but. You know, I think, uh, Tony, you explained it well in terms of, you know, sort of what's happening. But if I were to look at your three-year guidance that was put out at the end of 2019, it was focused on Fosterville and Macasa. Um, But also today you also mentioned, you know, detour and how that fits into the longer-term mine plan. I'm just, you know, wondering um, the impact here from COVID-19 and, you know, the decision to to withdraw the three-year guidance, was it based on, more on what's happening at Fosterville and Macasa, or is it, you know, overall? Well, I think it's, it's it, sorry, I don't think it, it's, it's overall, Cosmo. And it, I mean, part of our, when we give up production guidance, uh, you know, part of it is all tied into, you know, where we see capital programs going, where we see exploration programs going, et cetera. And, you know, there's so, so a lot of inputs that, that come into it. We just, we, 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 we basically decided that we need to spend a little bit of time reviewing things and really understand what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen September, October of this year. We don't know how things are going to progress. And we're just trying to, to uh, uh, you know, pro- provide some, some guidance in that sense. I mean, you know, we, we said what we were doing this year. Uh, we, we indicated, you know, you can see what we did in Q1 compared to plan. We'll continue to report on a quarter by quarter basis in terms of how we did compared to, we compared plan for the, for the year. We just, we just don't know if, if, if something's going to come out at us and that's why we're just trying to, you know, not sit there and say, well, we're going to do this. And then three months later, I have to say, we're going to do this. We think once we get everything more to more predictable levels, as well as, you know, get some of this stuff behind us, as well as understand the impact of a lot of the new protocols and, and that processes we're running and, the potential impact on, on, on any, you know, potential capital programs we might want to in, implement or our exploration programs uh, to decide what to do. We just give, give ourselves a few months to figure that out. Your next question comes from the line of Oviz Habib of Scotiablanc. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, everyone. Uh, just a couple of questions from me. Um, Tony, just... Um, Starting off with uh, again, just follow up on uh, Cosmos' question on um, on the guidance-wise. Um, is there anything specific you are looking for before you get comfortable in providing uh, 2020 guidance? I mean, you were talking about you know, Macasa and you know, kind of detour moving closer to that, you know, anywhere from 60 to 85 percent mark. I mean, is there is there something more of a sustainability side that you're waiting for before you can? Uh, uh, you know, move forward with uh, just at least the specific uh, 2020 guidance. I think you know it's it's uh, we, 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 you know we're recalling people, we're moving back up uh, people, but so are our suppliers, and so so are so are the communities. So it's it's all sort of fitting in to, to try to get some sense on on how things are progressing over over the next few months, and and ensuring that uh, you know nothing changes in terms of uh, government protocols that come on us. I, I you know. Like, you know, we we have we we're not we don't want to work without a plan. We don't want to work haphazardly. So so we're we're we got a plan, or we got uh, ideas of what we're doing. And as soon as we feel pretty comfortable, as as we said earlier, as soon as we're at predictable levels, 
see for 2020, we'll, 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 we'll be able to say it. And, you know, if nothing changes from what we see it progressing over the next while, we, we definitely feel by, by, by you know, by, by the end of Q2, we'll be able to say what 2020 is going to look like. Right. But, I mean, part of our 2020 guidance isn't just production. It's also, you know, costs, et cetera, too, right? For sure. And, and just, I mean, in terms of uh, Fosterville then, I mean, you know, in terms of, Operations continued and, and, and continued through Q1 and, and continued, um, you know, unaffected. Uh, maybe, you know, you, you pulled back a little bit on uh, development and exploration. Um, but is that, do you feel that's impacting maybe the, the two or three year guidance that you have provided previously? Uh, Fossilville performed extremely well in, in Q1 and, and predictions for, for, for Q2, I mean, if things, things continue to, to go like that could be very well. I mean, we, we, we are assessing Fosterville in terms of, 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 of what, what's going on, just like we're doing with the other mines. We're kind of, mm-hmm. you know, take, take, a, take, a, take a position on what we see and, where, you know, what, what is the work we're doing and what do we see as a, you know, a long-term sustainable future there than, than what we have. And, you know, definitely expiration success is a key driver to, to what's going to happen at Fosterville, right? Got it. And, and, and just, just one quick question. Just in terms of percentage coming from Swan, um, in, um, in, in Q1, um, if you could just remind us what that was and is that percentage expecting to change over the next couple of quarters or significantly? Uh, Duncan, uh, like I don't have those numbers. I had those numbers. Uh, I don't remember what they, what they are. Duncan, do you have the, the, the in terms of the percentage from Swan and, and in, in terms of going forward for the year, Anyway, it's it's pretty much consistent. But uh, you know, if Duncan has the answer for that, uh, I can have it. If not, I can get you offline in terms of what the percentage was from Swan. Probably seventy-five percent from Swan. Uh, I think it was eighty percent from Swan. Yeah. And it's expected to be consistent the remainder of the year. Got it. So that's that's it for me. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. Your next question comes from the line of Josh Wilson of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you very much. Uh, first question relates to Macasa. Um, you know, I, I assume there would have been a, a pretty reasonable sort of study that was done on the shaft expansion and what the long-term cost projections are for the mine beyond just what the production volumes are, which, which have been guided. Can you provide some additional detail on what you expect the steady state sustaining capital and unit cost expectations to be once the project is ramped up uh, and, and maybe based on the old study and, and um, what the opportunity could be from, from what the discussion was earlier this call about potential improvements? Uh, I mean, that's a... Uh... Uh, it's a, uh, you know, in terms of the, for this call, I don't know if we have that, those answers available, but we're happy to share them with you uh, and give you some sort of guidelines. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think that, the, you know, it, it's much anything different than what we've, we've been sort of achieving or what we had guided to previously. Uh, the whole the issue with the shaft and part of the, you know, by, part of the changes in the shaft, by the way, is we originally started the shaft development using a contractor. And 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 being a contracted uh, item, and back in uh, September of last year, we took over from the contractor ourselves, started developing it ourselves, and and with that, we we started to rethink the scope of the project and the timing of the project and the cost of the project, and 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 that's pretty much what what's happening there. How it affects the mine plan and 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 that those are those are moving parts uh, of the time. And part of you know part of it is is getting that shaft a lot earlier is really going to help in terms of de-risking that operation and improve working conditions in the mine. So, but uh, you know in okay. terms of those numbers, I can get to Natasha to, to speak to you after. There's a lot more numbers than we have sitting. I appreciate we're all in uh, different uh, different home offices and scattered across the province of Ontario. Right, I appreciate that. And then second question, back to the, the common theme here on the guidance. Um, it sounds like over the next quarter, there'll be some more information in terms of what the 2020 expectations will be. Uh, but reasonably with the three-year guide, there's you know a reasonable amount of more work required for the detour plan, um, as well as what the Fosterville and Macassa sort of outlook is gonna be. Um, when do you think we'll have enough information to actually formally provide that for your guide? Is it, is it going to be, you know, realistically not until early 2021, or, or will we have some kind of mid-year update where where the clarity can be better understood? 
Well, I think uh, with the with the uh, with the detour uh, uh, project, detour and the the trying to get a handle on the, on the planet uh, at detour, we were looking at trying to have something out by by Q2 into Q3 uh, of this year. Um, you know that that some so this part of that was really trying to to really do that right. We wanted to be able to incorporate uh, some new drilling results and and and, and reinterpretation of the geology and the resource there. And, and and a few other things from a permitting perspective that we that we 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 applied for, some of it recognized has been delayed now. I'd say a lot of parts of about that work has been delayed because of COVID-19. But I would say say that we're really working towards probably by Q4 of this year to really have that something solid out there. But if we get it sooner, we we will we will we will get it out sooner. There are no further questions at this time. I turn the call back to Mark Othing. Thank you, Operator, and thanks everyone for uh, participating in our call today. As you heard, despite the COVID-19 pandemic and the responses we've had, we had a solid quarter in Q1 with uh, very solid operating results, earnings, and very solid uh, cash flow. We uh, have some exciting things going on with our projects. We're advancing the number four shaft at Macassa very well. And we're realizing some of the expiration upside we've talked about with some very encouraging results at, uh, at Macassa this quarter. We um, you know, will continue to uh, update the market as, as developments occur and as we uh, continue to, uh, to progress our operations and ramp up. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to our next conference call when you can, uh, we can talk again about our ongoing solid results. Thanks very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.